Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We got to verses 16 through 18 where Peter was saying that he didn't receive a cleverly devised tale in verse 16 when, when he made known the uh, power and coming of our Lord Jesus. He says, because he said he was actually an eyewitness. He said, we didn't, we didn't make up some fable, some fairy tale, some silly thing. What we're doing is proclaiming to you the, the things about Jesus, God's son, the, the one, the majestic glory who declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, remember, God actually gave a... Uh, voice from heaven when Peter and James and, and John went with Jesus to the mountain and Jesus was transfigured before them there in Luke's gospel. We read about it in Luke 19 and it says, and Peter went, oh, it's a good thing we were here, Lord. We should build one tent tabernacle for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And Jesus told him, don't, shh, don't say anything about this till after I'm gone. But after Jesus died and rose again, Peter did tell people, I was there and I did get to hear. Now, what was the, what did he hear? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, there's three little words that are really important that come along with that message. Listen to him. If you're going to teach anything, like Peter was a pastor and he's going to teach people about the Lord, what would he want them to remember to do? Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. If there's, if any good pastor will always point you to Jesus, that's his job. Make you listen to the Lord, you know. And you know, you ever had those little, that voice that tells you, don't do that, or, or maybe you should go do that. And you're going, mm. and how many of you have had that voice, you know, when, when you're doing something, you know, and when that little voice says, <clears throat> you're being a little selfish, aren't you, you know, shouldn't you go help those other guys and, Shouldn't you help them? Now, I know it must be the Lord because I wouldn't think of going and helping someone else first, before me. See, my selfishness would always look out for me first. And I believe everybody has that voice that God speaks to them. But some people, they it says they sear their conscience. They, they take like a branding iron and just burn it so that I don't want to hear it. I don't want, no, I don't want to help someone. I, no, no, no. And they, they shut it down. And they say things to me as a pastor, like, well, when I was younger, I used to hear, you know, those little urgings to go do good or, or to not do evil. But I, I cut that out right away. And then they wonder why they're having such problems. Like that voice was given to us by Jesus said, when he told them, I'm going to, I'm going to go and to the cross and I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to, I'm going to rise again and go be with my father. They were bummed out. John chapter 14 says they were, they, they were so downcast. Jesus had to say, don't let your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many, many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you so that when I return, I can receive you to myself and that where I am, you will be also. Yeah, you get to be with me. And he said, I would not say these things if it were not true. So he told them. And then he went on in John 14 to say, but don't worry. I'm going to leave you a comforter, 
my Holy Ghost. He's going to be with you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll bring to your remembrance all that I have spoken. Isn't it neat how the Lord reminds us of verses that we forget? And then his spirit reminds us, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's a, I didn't even, I didn't even know I remembered that. And it's a beautiful thing that he says, don't worry, my spirit will be with you. Sometimes they used to have depicted like a, a good angel on one shoulder and, and a, little, a little devil on the other shoulder. One whispering, do the good thing, right? Do the right thing. I don't know. It was like an old black and white Tom movie. And, what, what? and Tom and Jerry. Yeah, even in the cartoons, they would do that where, where the one voice was saying, do the right thing. And the other voice was saying, no, no, come on over to the dark side. Within each person, we have that pull from one, one side, this God's spirit saying, go on the right path, stay, on, stay in the light. And the other one's going, hey, come over here. You don't need to do that. Don't be a goody two-shoe. Come on. Why don't you join us over? And the dark side's always going, come on. And even in Star Wars, they had the whole light versus dark. If there was no reality in that, would we even pay all that money to make Spielberg and all those guys so rich? I mean, those guys are rolling in dough because... People love to see this, this classic battle between good and evil. No, now, I'm not saying that's a biblical tale of any proportion at all, but the principle is there. Light versus dark, good versus evil. And the Holy Ghost in us speaks to us to lead us and guide us into that right way. You know, Jesus said, the way is narrow and it's straight unto salvation. Abroad is the road that leads to destruction. And there are many thereupon. There's a lot of people going on the broad road heading the wrong way. And so I want to encourage you. Peter, when he tells the things about Jesus, he says, we're not making up a, a, a fable. We're telling you, we were, we were witnesses. We heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son and whom I am of. But the most important part was the last three words. Listen to him. Listen to him. We, we need to remember to listen to Jesus. That voice, when his spirit has been given to us, we got to listen to it because he wants to lead us into the paths of righteousness. Now, he goes on and says in verse 19, and so we have a prophetic word made more sure to which he says you do well to pay attention to as a lamp that is shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star that will arise in your heart. So Peter says, guys, we got a prophetic word made more sure and we would do well to pay attention to it. It's like a lamp. This prophecy, these words of prophecy are like a light shining in a dark place. Now, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says that all of prophecy has one function. John fell down, it says, to worship. And he, it, well, I'll have to back up to verse 7 to make it make sense. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and he has made, it says, the bride has made herself ready and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds or the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
And he said to me, these words are the true words of God. Now, when, when the angel's telling this to uh, John, it says in verse 10, and I fell to, 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 uh, to, at his feet to worship him. And he said, the angel said, don't worship me. He says, I'm just a fellow servant of yours and to your brethren, to you and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. He says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The whole function of prophecy is always to testify of one person. See, in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, the real, I call them the snooty guys of the day, you know, real religious guys. He said, he says, you guys, you search these scriptures. Now they had the, not our New Testament, they had the old, what we call our Old Testament scriptures. And they, they had that collection together. And he says, you search these because you think it's these that will give you everlasting life. Like they thought if they memorized enough verses, okay, God, I'll just, I'll just quote them when I get to the pearly gate, you got to let me in kind of thing. That's not how it works. Jesus said, all of those scriptures testified of, of him. He said, they all testify of me. And yet, he said, you are unwilling to come to me that you might have everlasting life. So he gives me this understanding. All of those stories, you know the stories in the Bible where, like when Jonah was swallowed up by the whale, how many days did he spend in the belly of the whale? Three days and three nights, right? In John chapter 3, Jesus says he's having a discussion about with Nicodemus about being born again and he says as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale so must the son of man spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth he says it was a testimony that that story was to tell you something is a it's a now the Jews love these these uh, they call it types and shadows like things where God gives a, a type or an example of something. Like when Abraham offer, went to offer up Isaac, God had told him, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and bring him to the mount which I show you, and offer him as an offering. Well, Isaac's carrying the wood, and in Genesis there, chapter 20, I believe it is, he's carrying the wood on his shoulder. He's like, Dad, we got the, we got the wood? I find it interesting that the son was carrying the wood for the, what he was going to be sacrificed. Who carried the wood that he would be sacrificed on when Jesus, right? So here's the son, Isaac, the only son, he said, whom he loved. There was another son, Ishmael, but God didn't acknowledge him. He said he was an effort of the flesh. But this one of the spirit, the promise, was carrying his own wood to go make an altar that he didn't even understand. He was going to be the sacrifice. And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. Well, they get up to the top of the mount, the mount which the Lord said he would show them. This mountain range called Moriah. And he took him there and he goes to sacrifice his son on that mount. And right as he's about to, what's the angel do? Steps in, stop, don't do it. And it says caught in the thicket over on the side, there was an animal. Was it a ram or a lamb? A ram. a ram. But Abraham said, God would provide himself a ram? No. He said, a lamb. A lamb. And so he told Abraham, there you go. I see your heart. 
offer the ram. And then Abraham, after offering the ram with his son, says, Jehovah Jireh. A Jehovah Jireh is a Hebrew tense that means Jehovah, the name of the Lord. And it, it means, it, it's kind of a weird tense. We don't really have the same kind of tense. It's a present continual tense. We'll, he will continually and always will be providing. But God will provide. We, we translate it to God will provide. Does that mean God provides now? Yes. Does it mean he will provide in the future? Yeah. But he said, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, God will provide himself a lamb. It's a very strange saying. It doesn't say God will provide a lamb for himself to be sacrificed. He said God will provide himself a lamb. And then when John the Baptist comes on the scene preaching in Jesus' day, was the thing? sees Jesus for the first time public. He goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There he was, the, the one that Abraham... Now, the Jews love it when you point out these stories because that's a type, how God had Abraham do the test. And it's a shadow of what God was going to do. Just like he said, build this tabernacle, Moses, according to the, to the pattern that I show you, which is in heaven. So he had him lay out the tabernacle with the Holy of Holies and the table of showbread and the, the candelabra that they had, that menorah, we call it. And, and they, have the, they have all of the articles there. He says, this is to show, he wanted a model. You know, God doesn't mind showing us things in a way that we will understand. So he makes the tabernacle, says, this is going to be so people see what things will be like in heaven. This offering of Abraham, offering his only begotten son, the one he loved. What model do you think he was modeling there? God offering his son, Jesus, this lamb. But see, all of those things, they're prophetic testimonies. They're prophecies saying, God is going to do this. And Jesus said, all of those scriptures are written about me. But some people aren't willing to come to Jesus. And some people can't even fathom. You say, Don't, can't you see Jesus in this story a little bit? When the son is carrying the wood and saying, where's the sacrifice? And he's the sacrifice? Don't you think this is kind of a, a, a type of what God's going to do? And some people say, I don't see it. They cover their eyes like this. I don't hear it. Okay, be as blind and as deaf as you want. But Jesus would always at the end of his teaching say, let those that have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. The Spirit, the Spirit says these things, and, and some people don't hear. But I love to point out the things because sometimes all of a sudden you see the light go on and they're like, oh, oh, that's like Jesus. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 10? In verse 7, it says, Though it is written of me in the volume of the book, or the whole of the scroll, if you have the old King James, it is written of me, I have come to do thy will, O God. And he said, the whole thing, the whole book is about Jesus. So, well, he gives us the lens to look at the scripture and says, all of this book is about Jesus. The whole thing. And once you know that, all of a sudden the whole book comes to life. You're like, even the Old Testament stories, Jonah and the whole thing, it's got something to do with Jesus. What, what does it have to do with Jesus? Jesus 
Well, he gave it away in John 3 for us, but there's something in all of those stories that will point us back to the Messiah, somehow to his work. And so Peter goes on, he says, guys, we would do well to pay attention to these prophetic words. They're like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in our hearts. Now he says, verse 20, know this first of all. There's no prophecy or scripture that is a matter of one's own interpretation. It's not up to men to do the interpreting. It says, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but it was made by, the, and this is very important, where did all prophecy come from? It says, it was made by men which were moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Now, I just want to show you some things that David declared. Look at verse 1 of Second Samuel 23. He says, these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, and the man who was raised on high declares, he says, the anointed of God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel, he said, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, and he who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God. He, he says God spoke to him. The one that is actually going to rule over men righteously is, is the person who rules in the fear of God. He says, in fact, David said, you only get to rule rightly. I mean, you really want a righteous ruling for men? Well, you can only do that if you fear God. I wish I could make that a prerequisite for everyone that runs for office. Any political office, you must fear God first. Then you can rule men righteously. Well, because that's what he said right there, right? But David said that the Spirit of the Lord spoke by him. And his word, God's word, was on his, on his tongue. This is interesting. He says the words that, you know, when he wrote those beautiful psalms that we sing, He's, he didn't say, I made up those words. Where did he get those words? From God. God's word filled him. And so he acknowledges the source of those words. And this is really important when it comes to learning about the things of God. It comes down to where's the, where's the origin? You know, where's the, where are we getting our info from? Are we getting our inspiration from upstairs, <laughs> so to speak? Or... Remember Peter? He had a really great revelation when he was with Jesus. Jesus said, who do men say I am? Peter said, you're the son of God. And he went, good job, Peter. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But who revealed it? My father who is in heaven. So he actually said to Peter, you had a good revelation. That was from upstairs. That was from my father in heaven. And Peter, he goes on to tell Peter, I'm going to go die now. And Peter says, far be it from thee, Lord. God forbid, you don't need to die. That would be bad. Where would our free lunch ticket go? No, I, he didn't say that. But <laughs> I think he thought that. The reason I think he thought that is because what Jesus said next. He said to Peter, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Peter just had a great revelation from God one minute. And the next minute, where's he getting his juice from? Down From Satan. I mean, that one was... That was from downstairs. And, you know, because he's telling Jesus, you don't have to die. And Jesus is going, that's why I came.
And, 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 but see, Jesus put his finger on it. He said, Peter, you're not setting your mind on the interest now of God. Who was he setting his, his interest on? Himself. The interests of man. All of a sudden he's like, and that's why I say I think he was going, where's my lunch going to, you know, my free lunch going to, I've had a three years of free meal ticket with this guy. And he's going to leave us? No. Stay. He's, God forbid, don't go. Now, we can do the same thing. Just in a snap. We have one good revelation from God one minute. We get a really good one. Oh, Lord, it's just so wonderful. I, I, I see things that you've revealed to me. And the next minute, we start looking out for number one. That's why I, I began the study by explaining. Sometimes I know the difference between where my revelation's coming from by where's my interest. If, it, if it's all about me, I'm probably not in the spirit. <laughs> it, it, it's just a small indicator, but it seems to hold true about, what, 95% plus? of the I mean, really, I got to be honest. Every time we put our eyes on ourselves, we're taking our eyes off, off of where we're supposed to be. So look up and keep our... The scripture says, keep our focus on God. And even David said, you can't even be a good ruler of men. God showed him it. Look at verse 3. The God of Israel, the rock of Israel, spoke to me. David says, God spoke this to me. He who rules over men righteously is who, who rules in the fear of God. If David, if you're not going to, you want to rule men righteously, you gotta, you've got to fear me. And David was a great, well, God said he was a man after God's own heart. Now, David says, I only spoke these things. I mean, if you read the Psalms, they're beautiful. The Psalms he sang to him. But he said it was just the Spirit of the Lord speaking through him. And those beautiful things that, that he penned that we have to look at today that testify, that point to Jesus. Beautiful Psalms that David wrote. Does Peter say all of the... All the scripture is inspired by God. Now, if God inspired all the scripture, do you think he didn't know how to put together? I mean, this is where it comes down to. Does God know how to get us a record that we need to work? Is he really God or does he just go, man, I, I can inspire David with a psalm over here. and I can inspire someone to have a kind word, but I couldn't possibly make all of those inspired writings come together. Because that would be really hard. Do you think that was hard for God? Not at all. This book, put together, inspired by God, to point us to, to his son, so we could have everlasting life. And the same God that inspired this book, he has his spirit to be with every one of you. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Wonderful, it's wonderful what Jesus did for me. It's wonderful, it's wonderful what he can do for you. My life's a set free.
Comfort me. 